Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today we're going to play for you our event that we held on Wednesday night, I believe it was. I lose track of the days, but yes, it was Wednesday night. Uh, We did an event for a bunch of Browns fans virtually and we had a great turnout for it. And what you're going to hear today on the podcast is the recording of the replay of that event. Now the first voice you're going to hear is that of Eric Holtgren. He works for uh, Advance Ohio and he does a great job kind of hosting these and setting these up. So you're going to hear his voice first. And then you're going to hear from Doug Lay, Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, and me as we kind of go through a whole bunch of different Browns topics. Uh, now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber yet, you've got to do it. Now's the time. The season is starting soon. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get signed up. Okay, here is our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 2021 Cleveland Browns football season kickoff. I am Eric Holcomb from Advance Ohio and super excited to be here for the special event as we are celebrating with you, the best NFL fans in the nation. Now, over the next hour and a half, we'll be diving into in-depth discussions, team analytics, trivia, a live auction benefiting the stay in the game program, surprise cameos, and more. Feel free to ask your questions in the chat box on the right-hand side of the screen, and just make sure if you haven't done 6,000 of these that you're choosing all participants. Otherwise, they will just go to the panelists. Now, before we kick off the kickoff, per se, I'd like to shout out to our sponsors who are making tonight happen. Layman's for a simpler life, Lincoln Electric, Keller Williams Realty, Jen Skivarch, Wells Fargo Advisors, and Our Lady of Wayside, home to opportunity. To learn more about our sponsors, check out the chat box, and we've placed the links for all of our partners. Now, let's get into this with a video on how you can access even more insider information from our sports beat writers with the Cleveland.com Football Insider.
All right. And we will also have a live auction tonight benefiting the Stay in the Game program. The auction is presented by our partner, Layman's. Thank you very much to our friend at Layman's for supporting this great cause. And my friend Key will bring him in right now. He will be watching this auction through the entire evening and letting us know what's going on. Key, what are you seeing this early on? Uh, good evening, Eric. Uh, I'm excited to be here. We are proud to be supporting together uh, with Layman's uh, the Stay in the Game program. The Cleveland Browns Foundation is dedicated to improving the quality of education for students um, in Ohio uh, by making investments to keep kids in school and engaged every day so that they can succeed. Um, one of the foundation's signature initiatives that Stay in the Game and, uh, network is a statewide initiative designed to promote the importance of school attendance and end chronic absenteeism. So uh, here's a little bit more from uh, the Stay in the Game program. Hi there. This is Cleveland Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry. Each day in school puts students one step closer to their dreams, but they need help getting there first. To support Ohio families, schools, and community leaders, we've launched the Get to School, Stay in the Game Network, focusing on increasing attendance for all students. But we can't do it alone. Students, families, educators, community leaders, we need your help. Visit gettoschool.org and check out the online resources and take the attendance pledge. No dream is too big, and together, we can help our youth get to school and stay in the game. So let's do what we can uh, to support the Stay in the Game program this evening um, and bring in as much money as possible as we can to support the students here right in Cleveland. Um, on the auction block tonight, we've got uh, a football sign uh, by Nick Chubb. That's currently going for $75. Uh, the second item is another football signed by Joe uh, Betonio. We've also got a really awesome tailgate basket from uh, our partner over at Layman's. Um, currently, it's going for 40 bucks, but I mean, the Traeger rubs alone, you got to go and grab this thing and make sure you check it out. Um, and then uh, a big, big pellet grill cooker over here. And then the last but not least is a football signed by Greg Newsom, um, and that's going for $16. So I know that our team is dropping that link in the chat right now. So be sure to go and check out that auction throughout the program this evening. Uh, go ahead and place the bids. Let's see what we can do to raise some money for the kids. Eric, back to you, sir. Thank you, my friend. And now a very special guest would like to join us for a second. What's going on guys? Joe Thomas here, former Cleveland Brown, and I wanted to welcome everybody to the Orange and Brown season kickoff event. I know that this is the season the Brownies take it all the way to the Super Bowl, so this is the event to kick off the greatness of the 2021 Cleveland Brown season. Fans, you guys are in for a real treat tonight because this is the fan event of the century. Hope you guys enjoy and have a great night. Go Browns! Okay, that shirt is amazing. All right, let's uh, dive into the end zone and get started with our main panel discussion. Reminder, if you want to ask questions, you just do it in the chat and we'll be doing some giveaways and some polling throughout the evening. 
So let's look at our lineup this evening. Mary Kay Cabot, she is our Cleveland.com's lead Brown reporter. Mary Kay uses her resources from decades on the beat to break stories and provide fans the deepest analysis and insight on the team, including her Hey Mary Kay column and podcast. Dan Lobby is the host of the five-day-a-week Orange and Brown Talk podcast. He also hosts Cleveland.com subscriber-only Browns weekend events and post-game chats. Ellis L. Williams is Cleveland.com Brown film analysis. Ellis looks at the tape to see why the Brown schemes, plays, and personnel are working, or in some cases, why they're not working. Doug Maurice writes a a column, excuse me, that covers the Browns from all angles, including how the roster is being assembled and why they are making the moves that they're making. Scott Pasco, who joins Ellis L. Williams and Doug Maurice on Cleveland.com's Gotta Watch the Tape podcast, which looks at the numbers, stats, and trends that help explain what's happening with the Browns. And Terry Pluto, a Cleveland native, Terry has covered Cleveland sports for decades. He's the author of the 1997 book, Brownstown 1964. Each week, his popular Terry talking column takes fans inside the Browns and this summer Terry's talking will debut as a podcast friends welcome to the show well thanks for having us Eric we're excited to be here well technically I mean I'm in your house so thanks for having me but I will get out of the way and let you guys do this I am so excited to hear what you guys have to say go do your thing well thanks to everybody for being part of this uh it's amazing what technology can do it helps us do our jobs better when we feel connected to you guys So this is a great opportunity for all of us to get a feel for what Browns fans are thinking. We are going to get the expert opinions of everybody on this panel. We're going to try to go in and out big picture and get a little granular when we can. And we're going to maybe, you know, get some t-shirts away if you ask good questions. So again, if you want to ask questions in the chat, we will use as many of them as we can. We also have a little plan here and that plan includes jumping right in with this Kansas city game to start the season. If we could bring the poll up, right now we're going to have these polls throughout our our event tonight where we ask you guys what you think and dan made this very clear how important is the result of the chiefs game week one five is very important one is not important so if you think it's a big deal vote five on this go ahead and vote during this we'll have a little discussion and then we'll get back to what you guys said again five is really important one is not that important then we're somewhere in the middle mary Kay cabot how big do you think this game is with the Browns going to Kansas City to start the season? You know what? I just don't think it's a deal breaker. I, you know, if they go into Kansas City and they, for some reason, don't win the game, although I absolutely 100% think they can win the game. Uh, but if for some reason they don't happen to win the game, I just don't think that it's any reason for the sky to fall. I don't think it's any reason to panic. I don't think it means anything for the rest of the season. I think the Browns are probably not going to go 17 and 0 this season. I think they will lose a couple of games. And if I had to pick, you know, whatever, four or five games for them to lose, you know, there's no shame in going into Kansas City and losing to the Chiefs. Once again, let me be clear on this. I haven't made my pick for that game yet, and I do think that there is a really good chance that they can win because of the defense that they added to go along with the great offense that they have. Uh, but if they don't win it, I just don't think it, it means, you know, that, that anything is lost for the rest of the season. Terry Pluto, you've seen a lot of Brown seasons with some expectations. Do you think there's a momentum factor here going into a game like this, especially the way the Brown season ended last year? How, do you, how important do you think it is, Terry? Well, in terms of importance, I give it a one. 
Um, I really do because it, I look back to Baltimore, like Mary Kay mentioned. Yeah, okay, you win, and we got 16 more games. First games are so weird now. You don't play. You don't play your guys who are actually going to play in the regular season. So often, I mean, I, I know. I remember talking many years ago. I did a thing, and I kind of gamblers at the Stardust in Las Vegas, which is where they did the old um, set the lines and that. And a lot of them totally sat out the first week of the season because they just thought it was just too weird. So to me, I'd love to see them play well, but Kansas City's a tough place. They're a good team. And if they lose, I mean, last year, remember, that? Well, I forgot what the Baltimore game was, 38-7 to seven or whatever that was. And then, uh, you know, they got their bearings and they got going. Look, they're going to be really good this year. I, I don't care what happens in Kansas City. I like to see them win, but okay, next game. Is there anybody on this panel that thinks it is a big deal? Does anybody really think they need to know and go and establish something else? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's important. Uh, you know, it's not make or break by any means. I mean, it's, it's literally week one. But to me, this is a swag game. The Browns have an opportunity to firmly establish themselves on, on a national standpoint that they are a, a Super Bowl contender. Now, it'll come up that Patrick Mahomes didn't play the final 23 minutes of that game. And you can talk about the divisional round not being the, the – opportunity it actually was because the brown the chiefs excuse me weren't at full strength meanwhile you have a browns team now coming in with a it what i think will be its best chance to set a, a definitive tone because of the guaranteed health you have you know aside from really grant delpit and maybe greedy williams you know everyone's going to be there right they've protected nick chubb all year for 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 week one odell beckham jr will be on the field that offensive line will be complete and most importantly in my opinion, you have a healthy Jadavion Clowney who will be making his Browns debut and ready to wreak havoc against an offensive line in the Chiefs that, though rebuilt in its own right, Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, proved and showed in the Super Bowl that the way to get after Patrick Mahomes is just dominating up front. That's how the Buccaneers are built. That's what the Browns are trying to implement. And again, like I said, this is a, a swag game, if you will, a chance to, like you said, Doug, take that momentum avenging what happened last year, taking some week one momentum, establish themselves as a true Super Bowl contender. And Kevin Stefanski is the type of coach that will never let this team get too high or too low, but giving it this win would allow them to maintain maintain a, a balance that you, you really can't get anywhere else on the schedule if this game were week three and then injuries happen. This is a marquee matchup that has a chance to push the Browns over the top and have them ride momentum throughout the season that I'm confident would, would be worthwhile and long-lasting I, I mean so Go ahead, Dan. sorry sorry Doug. I mean to me it's like does this game matter as to whether the Browns will win the Super Bowl or not no I mean they can lose this game and win the Super Bowl but it is a nationally televised game against the Kansas City Chiefs who a whole lot of people are picking to win the Super Bowl so is it going to be important in the big picture maybe not but like I would give it a three at least because this is you're going to have Jim Nance, Tony Romo, 425 kickoff at Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes. And I, I mean, just go on social media and see if the players think this game matters. It sure, it sure sounds to me like the Browns players think this game matters. And Kevin Stefanski is going to make sure they think it matters because he's, he's going to use every little edge he can get to try and go win this game. So the Browns can make a statement if they win this game. If they lose this game like they did against Baltimore last year, it's not the end of the world, but I, I, it's just hard for me to look at a game against one of the best teams in the NFL 
in the time slot this game is in and say, well, it, it doesn't matter at all. I, I do think it, it matters. Right in the middle. I was going to say this, this is one of, of all the polls. We're going to do several tonight. This might be the one I was the most interested in because I, I didn't know where fans were. And so, I mean, I think it's statistically, it's psychology. It's like everybody picks the answer <laughs> in the middle. So, so three, one, but again, five is more important. One is less important. I think you always look at the edges we have 40% of the people that are on the more important side above three and only 24% of the people who are on the lower side below three and five is higher than one. This to me tells me that Browns fans are a little wrapped up in this. I, I think there's psychological stuff. I mean, it could be playoff seating, frankly. I mean, it, it could matter when we get to the playoffs, but also I think I've told people, I think the Browns are going to lose week one. All the national people are going to bail on the Browns and then that's when you bet the Browns because they're going to be good. And eh, we don't need the national people who don't believe in the Browns. The heck with them. Let them bail after a Kansas City loss. Let's get into some nitty gritty because we have some questions that we're going to, we try to take into account. Go Browns. I always appreciate it. It's like the person in the class, first day of school who raises their hand. Go Browns exclamation point. Let's get a t-shirt to them. We have a couple t-shirts to hand out during this. They asked the first question in the chat and I noticed it right away. It's about Kaderil Hodge, Mary Kay. Kaderil Hodge, one of the cuts, signed by Detroit. He's not coming back. It started a discussion in the chat. People like Kaderil Hodge. What is it? Are you surprised that he got cut? And what does it mean that he's not going to be a Brown this year? You know what? I, I am not surprised that he got cut. I did not put him on my 53-man roster. Uh, and the reason why I didn't put him on my 53-man roster, we talked about this on our podcast the night we did our, our uh, roster pod. And that is, he's just not that much different than some of the other guys that they have on the roster. Okay. I mean, they have some other kind of Kadero Haji sort of guys. Uh, he doesn't have a super distinguishing characteristic. It's not that he's the fastest guy. Uh, he, in, in scouting terms, is sort of what they call sort of, you know, just a guy. You can go out and you can find that guy somewhere else. He caught four passes last year. He was going to cost $2.13 million this year. Okay. That's a significant amount of change for somebody who's going to catch a minimal amount of passes for you. I thought when I did my 53, if I had to choose another receiver uh, that Jojo Nassen would make more sense because you can do so many different things with him, jet sweeps, and he's a dynamic returner. In the event that Demetric Felton isn't ready to return yet, in the event that you're going to be playing more three wise and you don't want Donovan Peoples-Jones returning all the time, you can throw Jojo Natson back there and you're pretty darn sure you're going to get a good return out of him. He was slated for a big role last year. I didn't think that Kadero Hodge was somebody that they needed to have on this football team. If they brought him back fine at the veteran minimum, that would have been totally fine. Uh, but somewhere along the line, you know, people got caught up in Hodge mania. <laughs> like, like when did this happen? When did, when did Hodge become, uh, you know, I, I don't know. When did he become Larry Fitzgerald? I just, I mean, he's, he's a good, he's a good player. There was another player that, that had a good training camp one year. I can't remember the name oh, of this. Him. This list is long. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> but, but there, there was uh there, it was a receiver that people just, uh, just had a fit. When oh, he I, Jordan Leslie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, yeah. and similarly, just like I wrote about Kaderil Hodge right before he got cut, I wrote about Jordan Leslie right before he got cut. There you go. Kiss of death. The lobby effect, but um, the lobby kiss of yeah, kiss of death. But um, but no, so no, I didn't, I didn't really get it. 
And uh, again, if he came back, fine, but they're going to be just fine without him. So that that sparked a nice little Kaderil Hodge discussion in the chat. Another roster move that just happened in the last couple hours. Joe Jackson signed back after he didn't make the original 53. They put Jacob Phillips on IR. Scott Patsko, what do you think about Joe Jackson being back? And just the way the roster sort of sort of shook out with defensive ends, how did you think that all went down? Yeah, I mean, they kept three on the initial 53. Um, and I was basically, I was really expecting this move. You know, you you put someone on IR or you open the spot, you add a defensive end. And I thought maybe it would have been Porter Gustin because they did add him to the practice squad. Uh, when we were talking a lot uh, over the last week about our uh, you know 53 man projections. And I think for most of us, it really kind of came down to Porter Gustin and Joe Jackson for that spot. Uh, there were just a group of guys there, nobody who really separated themselves, but you can make a case for Joe Jackson. Uh, he, he performed uh decent last season uh, when he was on the field uh, and like, you know, Port Augustine had been here and uh, he was the, basically the other best candidate. So that makes sense. Um, I still think you're going to mostly see Miles Garrett, uh, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley rotated maybe more. Uh, I don't, we get the sense that we might even see all three of those guys on the field sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I, you, it, I don't know if it really mattered if you had Port Augustine out there or Joe Jackson, to be honest. One more question, sort of about some roster stuff. And I, I love when people ask questions like this because it tells me that the Browns are good because people are worried about the kicker. And you have to kind of get through a lot of other stuff that's in shape before you get worried about the kicker. So Vincent Capabianca, I saw, asked this question. Let's get a T-shirt to Vincent because I appreciate the concern on this and whether the Browns should maybe be looking for somebody on the waiver wire. I know, I think the Lions cut all their kickers, including Zane Gonzalez, and then signed Austin Seibert in Detroit. So there's some former Browns kicker movement there. Terry, I, I can remember when Cody Parkey got here, Terry, you writing about that when Cody Parkey's good, he's good, and then sometimes he loses it. We know they're on to Chase McLaughlin now. Are, are you comfortable, Terry Pluto, with the Browns kicking situation, or how much do you think they should be on alert here? Maybe I'm a minority. I always worry about the kickers unless his name is Phil Dawson. I mean, that's the last kicker I've trusted, and he certainly have earned it because kicking in Cleveland is hard. And even if your team is not particularly any good, why do you want to give away points by having a lousy kicker? I just have never understood that. It's not like you've got to pay these guys $10 million a year, you know. So, uh, yes, I am worried about the kicker. I would be bring somebody else in to uh, uh, keep it interesting for McLaughlin. Um, so because they are going to be in close games. And I think, I think kickers, it's hard to do it in Cleveland. And until they find a guy, I believe they have not had the same kicker for two years in the row since 2004 when Phil left. And they've tried, they've tried. They, certainly have tried. they just, it didn't, it didn't keep. It's hard. It's hard in the dog pound end of the, of yeah. the stadium. I mean, and that's why, when people think about Phil Dawson, I mean, you really need uh, to, to keep in context the fact that uh, he wasn't kicking in lovely weather conditions all those years. No. He was kicking in a place where it's hard. So this is a place where good kickers come to often struggle and where crazy things happen at First Energy Stadium. Well, you're preaching it well, Mary Kay. But another point in that, Pittsburgh's hard to kick at. Pittsburgh's another place where there's difficult to kick. 
and you play them play, you know, you play with their ones. Just I, I this this disdain of some of the analytics types and even an old football type by Joe Banner of kickers. I just don't get it. Wherever went Lou Groza, we have kickers here. I get me a kicker. Dan, get me a kicker. This is a show where we will get to are the Browns going to win the Super Bowl this year? But let's wallow in kicker worry just a little bit longer. Oh, I got on this thing and they talked about the kicker for 45 minutes. Everybody's freaked out. (laughs) Is anybody else worried? I sound like Joe Banner. (laughs) Scott, Ellis, Dan, are are, are you guys, is this a concern or do you think they'll be fine? I I just want, Scott, just, just real quick, I just want someone to say like, when you ask them, is Chase McLaughlin your kicker or do you have faith in Chase McLaughlin, which I have asked both of those questions directly to the head coach, I would just like someone to say yes. And I have yet to hear that. So that, that tells me a lot about <laughs> whether they believe in. Go ahead, Scott. Can I, can I share my favorite stat that people hate to hear? Cody Park, he had a better field goal percentage last season than Phil Dawson had in his career uh, with the Browns. And I'm going to move out of the way while people goes. throw things at the Well, screen. when you don't kick them past 40 yards, and you don't want to try I'm a 50 just saying. That helps. I'm just saying. We Bill Dawson see. is beloved. I get it. But, you know. Yeah, it's sort of like he's a platoon player. <laughs> that doesn't for the show. Football talk very soon before. You got on my hard spot here with the kickers. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting off it. I'm glad it was free. This guy said Cody Parkey's better than Phil Dawson. Wow. Uh, I'm putting words in your mouth. No, I didn't say that. I just, I, I just need percentage. You got a 48 yarder in a snowstorm to win a game. Who do you want to kick it? <laughs> no, yeah. we're, I'm totally dismissing the fact that kickers today are way more accurate than most of Philadelphia. Oh players. man, they're so good at quarterback and defensive end and running back and receiver. We can just fight about kickers. All right, <laughs> let's transition to a guy that I don't. I don't know anybody's fight, fighting about this guy anymore. Maybe nationally they are. Baker Mayfield, to me, is is an ascending player. I think there's a lot of ascending players on this Browns team. That whatever you think they did last year, I think there's a lot of room for a lot of their best players to still be better. Mary Kay Cabot, you have covered every possible version of quarterback in Cleveland. This isn't, I I never want to talk about contracts. So this is not a contract discussion. What do you think Baker Mayfield will do on the field for the Cleveland Browns in 2021? I think he's going to be a lot better in 2021. I think he will be better with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. I think he's going to add to his repertoire. I think you're going to see him change things up in terms of tempo and pace. I think you'll see him run some more no huddle, take more control at the line of scrimmage. Uh, They have to change it up and they will. Uh, And I think they'll put more on his plate. I think that um, I think he has the potential to, to be a top 10 quarterback this, this year. I think he'll pick up where he left off. And now I think he has a defense to go along with his great offense and all of those weapons. And I think they're going to get the ball back for him a lot. I think that's going to be a big point of emphasis. So I think they're going to set him up in good field position quite a bit. And and I think that will really, really help him. They're going to be giving him the ball back uh, in in enemy territory quite a bit. I think I really see that happening. Uh, So I think that uh, he has everything that he needs around him. And I don't think that he's going to be successful just because of what he has around him. I think he's going to be successful this year because of what he can do. And one of the things that I think that he does as well as anybody that, that I've seen is just be really super accurate with the football. That's his, in my mind, that is, that is his distinguishing characteristic. That is his number one trait is that he's so 
deadly accurate with the football, especially when his footwork is good. Now the footwork has got to be right for the ball to go where he wants to go. So as long as he is doing the muscle memory thing and getting that West coast footwork down uh, the way that Alex Van Pelt wants him to, then the ball doesn't sail out of the back of the end zone. It goes where it's supposed to. And I think he'll build on last year. And I think that, uh, I think the sky is the limit. I mean, I, I still think that Patrick Mahomes is the superior, more elite quarterback right now. Uh, but I, it doesn't mean that Baker can't beat him. It doesn't mean that he can't beat him in the opener. And it doesn't mean that he can't beat him at the end of the season in the playoffs. Dan Lobby, where are you on Baker Mayfield entering this year? Okay, I'm, I'm going to bring up a totally random thing here. So we all, do you guys remember Ryan Switzer who was on this team? He's on IR with a foot injury. So Ryan Switzer put up a photo on Twitter of his son posing with Baker Mayfield wearing Baker's helmet. And Baker quote tweets it and says, Christian looks like he's going to throw for 4K and complete plus 70% of his passes. And I thought to myself, well, that must be what Baker wants to do this year. He's never gone over 4,000 yards. His completion percentage was around 65. I think it ended up last year or over those last six games, it was 65, which is good. Um, but I think Baker can be a 68 to 70% completion percentage guy. And, and I think that's not to boil it down to just raw stats, but I do think that's where Baker is going to end up this year. I think he can cross that 4K barrier. I think he can get closer to 70%. Uh, and, and Ellis, I know when we recorded the podcast today, you had some some big numbers for Baker as well. So I, I think from a statistical standpoint, we're going to see him make that leap. And, and I think we're going to see him, you know, just with our eyeballs make that leap. I, I think he can make that jump in this second year in this system. Ellis, how how high were you thinking there for Baker? Right. Well, let's start with 4K and over 70. I think those are both no-brainers. A year ago, I predicted around 25, 26 touchdowns and single-digit interceptions for Baker Mayfield. And I remember Terry Pluto insinuating that I was a little nuts for saying so. The only the reason that quote for you, Dallas, was from your lips to God's ears because I felt there needed some divine intervention on that one. Right. And the only reason I, I came to that conclusion was you know, studying, watching, and surveying what he, Kevin Fancy did with Kirk Cousins in the system, what Ryan Tannehill does in the system. Quarterbacks are that similar mold. So now you look at Baker Mayfield, the jump he made after the bye week through the two Pittsburgh games into Kansas City. You survey the offensive line, which I have called the best in football since mid-October. The collection of bona fide offensive weapons around him, Odell coming back, Jarvis Landry, of course, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb two tight ends that would be number ones on any team in football aside from maybe a few. I see Baker Mayfield jumping closer to 35 passing touchdowns this year. I'd say 32 or 33. I'm confident that interception total remains in the single digits, probably around eight, nine, 10. We'll call it a push. You guys know how I feel about pushes. And where I think Baker takes the biggest jump is in his red zone distributing. The Browns a year ago were, I think, finished fourth in red zone scoring percentage, touchdown scoring percentage around 72%. They were up. The only teams ahead of them, I believe, were Tennessee, uh, New Orleans, and Green Bay, some extremely efficient teams. The Browns will be even deadlier in there, and they're going to do so by Baker Mayfield distributing the football. All that being said, that will equate to Baker Mayfield likely having a top 10 season it will result in him having all the leverage in contract negotiations and it will 
continue the trend as an ascending player, maximizing all the parts around him. And when it matters most, the only jump that Baker Mayfield has to make that I'm unsure of, because I just told you everything I'm, I'm sure of, I would take that to the bank. I'll bet anyone on it, quite frankly. I'm very confident in those numbers. We need to see the gotta have it moments. We gotta see him become the ultimate fixer. When all things go wrong, can Baker Mayfield make a play? When Wyatt Teller gets beat inside by Chris Jones, can he somehow find a way to distribute the football via his feet? via changing his throwing motion, becoming a sidearm thrower, just the, the type of razzle-dazzle you see these ultimate problem solvers have. We haven't seen Baker do it. He hasn't really been asked to do it. And I didn't expect him to do it a year ago. This is about ascending. The Browns drafted him first overall, and he inherited a team that went one in 31. Josh Allen went to the Bills, and they made the playoffs a year before. And the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, went nine and seven and eight and eight in back-to-back season before Lamar Jackson. All these players started in very different spots. I think after this year, Baker Mayfield lands in the same pay grade and uh, as those other two players, as Lamar creeps towards a Josh Allen, like payday. And that's going to be because he continues to ascend and com- completely masters the, the red zone part of this offense, because we saw in Atlanta, he's already mastered the language. I, I like to say he now can talk slang with Kevin Stefanski and, and it's a testament to Baker's work ethic, his overall intelligence and his dedication to his craft, because he's completely changed the way he plays quarterback going from a shotgun thrower or RPO player who leaned heavily on that. It's now a complete quarterback that can handle everything. Kevin Savanti throws at him. So we'll continue to see him ascend. I think he flirts with 35 touchdown passes. And in those got to have it moments, does he become the ultimate solver, fixer, game changer? That remains to be seen. Just a quick point on Baker for me. And it's something that we tend to take for granted, whatever. He's durable. He's not missing the start. That's a big deal. And it's nice to have Keenum behind him in case that happens, because if you're a really good team, and even if your quarterback has to miss part of a game or a couple of games, it's great to have a veteran there. So that is it. And also when you say the baseline of this quarterback is he's good enough to have a, you know, the team say win 10 games or more. I'm saying, remember talking baseline and get to the playoffs. Well, the Browns have that every year for the last 20 some years. I mean, look, look where, look where they're at right now. And Mary Kay made some great points about his accuracy and also his ability to be accurate on the run too is really good. So, but the durability is huge. I mean, some teams, they can't keep the quarterback healthy. I see these questions coming in. I'm going to propose this already for us next year. I propose a 24 hour marathon session where we can just answer every (laughs) Browns question. We'll rotate people in at different times. We'll be doing it at four o'clock in the morning. I got the kicker segment. (laughs) The kicker segment with Terry Pluto is from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Make sure you catch that next year. We're going to try to get to some of these questions. I want to go big picture on quarterback briefly. If we can pull up the poll on this, I think this is maybe why we got kicked off because I think maybe Ben Roethlisberger had an indication of how this might go for him. We're trying to place (laughs) Baker Mayfield in context of the AFC North, who we think the best quarterback in the AFC North is going to be. If we can get to that poll, we will, but, that's that's okay. Uh, again, I will be fascinated to see the Ben Roethlisberger totals for this in our cleveland.com uh, zoom session here. Ellis, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we really want to talk Browns. Ellis, do you think Baker's the best quarterback in the AFC North this season? Let's think about this season. Who will play the best this season? Will it be Baker? And if it is Baker, who's second best? Who's the other guy you're most curious about this year, Ellis? 
Right. I, I'm going to start with Lamar Jackson. He's both the most curious and who I think is the best quarterback in this division. And this is a, simply a traits discussion for me. Lamar Jackson remains to a, a complete problem every time he steps on the football field, especially in the regular season. The, the game changes once we, we, we get to the playoffs, right? It becomes much more matchup specific. Teams throw their entire game plan at these quarterbacks and things change. But from a 17 game schedule Lamar Jackson is remains the ultimate cheat code he only needed you know two snaps against the Browns last year on Monday Night Football to come in and and win that football game it was one of the more extraordinary things I'd seen on a football field quite frankly for him to take over that moment and and that's the, the the ultimate problem solving stuff I'm talking about the things that Lamar does the things Kyler Murray does uh, it quite frankly, it's the reason Mac Jones wasn't drafted third overall and Trey Lance was, you have a guy with the traits that make you have to respect the pass. And then when all things break down, they can solve a problem with their feet. Now does Mac Jones become the best quarterback in that class? Who knows is could maker Baker Mayfield be the best quarterback from his class still that's very much possible. This year, Baker Mayfield has the best collection of parts, which then puts him neck and neck with Lamar, but not, over the top due to the, the the trait standpoint. I put Joe Burrow third. I'm worried about the, the, the playing with a brace and him just getting his confidence back. And, and then Doug, you, you said all we need to say about Ben Roethlisberger right now. To me, Lamar and Baker are neck to neck. The, the physical attributes put Lamar ahead of him. And Lamar's just always going to be the most interesting quarterback in this division, in, in my opinion. We'll get to the poll results here in a second. Is there anything else anybody wants to add sort of on the context of the quarterbacks in the AFC North right now? Because it's certainly an interesting group. I mean, I think, I'll just I'll agree with Ellis real quick. I, I think it's Lamar right now until it's not. I think even last year with a step back, got COVID, still had a really effective year. Runs for a thousand yards back to back year. Somebody in the chat said he's a better version of RG three. Like, do you remember how good RG three was until that Washington field took him out and the Shanahan's kind of ruined him? RG three was a stud. So if he's a better version of RG three at his peak, that's incredible. Um, I, I, I think it's Lamar right now. And, you know, I, I think the thing to think about uh, with Ben Roethlisberger this year is who is he going to be this year, one more year removed from the elbow surgery? Is he going to be better than he was last year? Is he going to be better this year because he has a running game now? They didn't support him with a running game last year. Uh, these are questions that we don't know, but we do know that he, ha- he has a good receiving core and he has more of a running game this year and they have a good defense. So I don't think that that you know, people should just necessarily write them off. Uh, I wouldn't put him ahead of, of Baker or Lamar. Uh, I, I guess I would still put Lamar slightly ahead of Baker because of the dual threat situation. If he can continue to add to what he can do with his arm, uh, then I, I just think that whole dynamic of, of the dual threat and the running ability just makes him so exceptionally dangerous. So I think I would still put him right now ahead of Baker. Um, and then I think I would put Joe, even though from a skill set standpoint, we're just talking about this year mm-hmm. and what his team can do. I'm a huge uh, Joe Burrow skill set fan. I just think he's amazing. Um, but this year with what he has around him, I, I don't think he'll be able to live up to the potential that he has. I mean, if you plopped him onto a, another football team, lights out. Uh, but in the context of the AFC North and the Bengals, I'd still have to put him third. So I guess I'd go Lamar, Baker, Joe, 
bad. Any votes for Mason Rudolph? Any votes for Mason <laughs> Rudolph? No. Uh, let's go to the results then. If we can show those, what are, I'm going to guess, uh, maybe Baker won? Baker Mayfield, congratulations. Although, frankly, this is for a Browns group, 60% for Baker, 35% for Lamar. That's a lot of respect for Lamar Jackson to get 35% in a Browns chat, 3% for Joe Burrow. And the three people that voted for Ben Roethlisberger, we are going to find you. And instead of giving you a T-shirt, we're going to take your shirt tonight. You have to give us a shirt if you really think Ben Roethlisberger is the best quarterback in this division. Okay. Let's give everybody a chance to sort of stand up for somebody on this team. Let's get the next poll ready. It's who the MVP of the Browns is going to be this year. So we'll let everybody listening and participating start voting in this, but everybody can make a case here for a guy they really believe in. Scott Patsko will start with you. Who do you think the MVP of the Cleveland Browns will be this season? The choices on the screen are Baker, Miles, OBJ, Nick Chubb, and then someone else. But Scott, go anywhere you want. But the, the easy answer is always the quarterback, right? Because it's such a unique position. It's so important in football. But I'm going to go with Miles Garrett because I think by the end of the season, we're going to be talking more about the year he had and getting the Browns where, you know, wherever they get to more so than Baker Mayfield. I think it, he needs to have a good year more than Baker does. Baker doesn't have to be, you know, MVP level or, or even he needs to be somewhere in between what he started the year as and la- end of the year as, you know, he doesn't need to carry the offense. Miles Garrett needs to have a great season because the defense needs to have a great season for this team to build off of what happened last year. And it all starts on defense with Miles Garrett. So I think, I think by the end of the year, he's the guy we're going to be talking about more. Uh, I I saw Drew Burge said the kicker, and that gets a T-shirt. So can we please mark down Drew Burge for saying the kicker will be the MVP? Terry, we'll go to you next. Um, You can say the kicker if you want, or you might have another choice. You're on mute, Terry. Hold on. There you go. Trying to figure out a way around uh, picking miles. But when you go, all right, this is the best athlete on the team. We saw what he was. How long was it, like eight or nine games before the COVID hit? He was just dominating. He's taking the ball away from quarterbacks. And um, now uh, if Clowney just stays where exactly he is right now, uh, you know, the, he should be terrific. And to Scott's point also, I mean, in a sense, he is the quarterback of the defense in that his performance can impact the defense more than anybody else. So it's a boring pick, but it's the right one. Mary Kay, how about you? I think I'm going to go with Baker. I think I'm going to go with Baker this year. Um, I think that this is Baker's chance to, to really step it up and put the team on his shoulders. You can't go wrong with either guy. You've got the number one pick on offense the number one overall pick on, on defense. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't think you can go wrong with either one, but I think this is the year that Baker really kind of comes into his own and really grows into the job and just kind of is the Baker that, that everyone always expected him to be when the Browns drafted him number one overall. And if he can do that, they're going to go really, really far. Ellis. Yeah. I think Baker's in a spot to, succeed in every way Mary Kay said and because that I I can't pick him as MVP more because that is my expectation you know this he needs to pull every lever correctly for this offense to 
function at, at maximum capacity and he, and he will do so. It's a testament to, again, his work ethic, his attention to detail, his cerebralness of playing the game, uh, his decision-making and how quickly he has been doing it on the field is beyond impressive, which is why I expect that to continue, which to me then makes either Miles Garrett or Nick Chubb a candidate for MVP because they possess the two opportunities to wreck games in a way that are unparalleled on this team. I don't think Odell will get the targets necessary to, to enter that realm with Nick Chubb offensively. Terry, you said it with Miles Garrett wrecking games early. He was the best player on the football field oh. in like a basketball sense. But week two against the Bengals, he wrecked Washington and, and Dwayne Haskins. And he, and he, he messed up uh, Dak Prescott early in that game in Dallas and set a tone, even though you know Dallas was playing catch up. The Browns ran away with that game early, largely because the just the tenacity of Miles Garrett. And Ellis' and, point too, and I'm having an, a senior moment. The, uh, the the other defensive end that got hurt with the Achilles. Remember uh, who was it last Olivia. year? Olivia. Yeah, remember uh, he, Olivia was playing poorly early in the year too, and yeah. Miles was doing all that, just plowing through all kinds of blockers and everything else. Yeah, exactly. So for me. The, the 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 favorite for MVP for me would be Miles Garrett. I, I've been on the record already on a podcast and, and my prediction piece that's coming out soon is I think he gets to 20 sacks this year. Wow. And that, you know, the extra game helps and then playing yeah. alongside Davian Clowney. You know, he was he was averaging a sack a game back in, in 2019 before, the, you know, the Mason Rudolph incident, which feels like forever ago. So that's a pace I think he can keep and, and then improve upon, of course, to get to 20. Nick Chubb, the way he hits another level is if he just continues to dominate the fourth quarter averaging 10 yards per carry and the Browns are in you know hold more leads this year you know if they have a seven or ten point lead consistently going into the fourth quarter and then you got a fresh Nick Chubb because he's only carried the ball nine ten eleven times going into the fourth and now all of a sudden he's breaking off of 50-yard score with nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter that pushes a game from a one-score game to a two-score game and completely changes the math of a, of a football game because you only have so many times, so many chances to score uh, halfway through the fourth quarter. Nick Chubb could just run away with an MVP award, you know, no pun intended, uh, because he, the game plan will, will work in his favor in that way, and, and he just takes the next level as the complete game wrecker that you know uh, us here and specifically on Gotta Watch the Tape have documented well that he is. People can so Kareem Hunt should get just, just to be clear on this. If you are not listening to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, how could you be here looking at our faces while we talk? With if you're not listening to the podcast, so if you don't listen to Orange and Brown Talk, like go subscribe as soon as this thing ends. Scott, go ahead. I was gonna say Kareem Hunt should probably get a share of that award then if if because he's such yeah. a huge part of why Nick Chubb averaged 10 yards per carry in the fourth quarter, you know, allowing him to stand on the sideline and and rest for a significant amount of a game. Dan, we Dan I'm disappointed yet. in you, Dan. So my my MVP Go ahead. is Dan. Who's your client? That's not that's <laughs> not my MVP. My MVP of this team. <laughs> I'm going to play the semantics game here. I, I think Miles Garrett is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but my MVP is John Johnson. I think mm -hmm. he's going to be the guy in the back end of the defense that holds it all together. I mean, when you're standing out there at practice. I mean, I, there was a day when they were doing red zone and John Johnson did not stop talking. And I'm not talking trash talk, but from the minute they started lining up while the play was going on, he was telling guys where to go. He was anticipating what was happening in the play. Uh, they were practicing inside once and we were right there. I mean, he goes to the football. He knows what's happening before it happens. So 
John Johnson isn't the MVP in the traditional. He's going to put up great, the best numbers and be the, the star of the defense. But if his defense is good, it's going to be because John Johnson is, is in the back end directing traffic and just basically making everything go. Even though he's not wearing the green sticker, he's going to be the one that makes everything go on that defense. So I'm going to go with John Johnson. Compelling arguments. Let's see what the people in the in the Zoom said. We'll get the results of that poll. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to come down to Miles and Baker. I'm kind of curious to see where people went with this. Nick Chubb. Hmm. I'm surprised by that. 37% Nick Chubb, 32% Miles Garrett, 25% Baker Mayfield, 2% Odell, and 4% other. Yes, me and the 4%. How many? many, Yeah, Dan is such a someone else kind of voter. He knew Bobby was going off the board. How many years would we have been desperately searching for? Like, I guess Joe Thomas is. I guess Joe Thomas is. And now it's like you have three people who have legitimately great cases there. Here's what we're going to do. Unless they're going to allow us to go to midnight, unless they're going to allow us to go to midnight, we're going to speed through a question round. Quentin says he has a bunch of great questions from you guys lined up, and we want to get to them. Quentin will ask it. I'll find one person to answer it, and then we'll move to the next one. We'll hit as many of these as we can, but we've got to get you guys on the record at the end of this podcast with your predictions, so we can't run out of time before that. Quentin, let's start firing away with some great questions here. True or false? Will there be a new defensive end on the roster after week one with case with after Kansas city that came from Justin Scott, we'll go to you for that. Well, they already have one now in, in, in Joe Jackson. So I guess that answers that. I don't know if uh, they'll be going out and finding anybody though different after week one. Quentin fire away. Uh, this is about uh, Baker. I'm curious if Bernie Kosar has been, has been acting as a mentor of sorts for Baker. I've noticed him on social media uh, and since we're doing a lot of events together, uh, have you seen Bernie get close with other previous quarterbacks? That's from Sarah H. Mary Kay, what do you think? Absolutely, 100%. Those guys have developed a relationship, a friendship. Uh, they appeared in the, uh, the commercial together, the Baker's House Progressive Commercial. Uh, and uh, absolutely, Bernie Kozar is sort of helping and, and mentoring Baker a little bit. And Baker, is, I think Baker is showing him the proper respect. Personnel question. Uh, what point in the season do we start worrying about Austin Hooper uh, and if he isn't producing? That's from Rory W. Ellis, take that. You don't worry about it until next year when he has a cap number of about 13 million and it's not looking like he's worth that total. They have David Njoku under contract this year. If anything happens with Hoop, David's ready to step in and be that number one tight end. I think they'll play a 1A, 1B type of complimentary role with each other but don't worry about Austin Hooper until next year Browns fans it's not worth your time will Felton have more rushing yards or receiving yards that's from Bob M Dan Lobby how are they going to shake that out with Felton uh receiving yards I I think with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb they're going to take the bulk of those rushing yards uh, I think Felton's going to be used mostly as a kick return I mean he'll get some carries but I think unless there's an injury it's going to be receiving yards uh, outside of the kick, you got this question a couple of times. Outside of the kicker, which position has you the most concerned? Harry, is there something you're worried about other than special teams? Yes, defensive backs. I always worry about defensive backs in general. Uh, my view is they are uh, very similar to 
pitchers in baseball you can never have enough. They seem to get hurt. Uh, thank goodness they did go out and bring in Hill. You know, I think Troy Hill is really going to help them too. Now, Ellis and Scott and some of you guys really do look at film a lot more than I do, but I like the fact that he's versatile, could cover guys inside or out. You know, John Johnson could be huge. But really, if you think about it too, if you're going to attack the Browns, where are you going to go? You can go after the secondary. So they're going to have to prove it. Um, and I just wish that, you know, you don't, we're now always talking about hamstrings with Greedy and, 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 um, and, and Delpit and that. So that's, that's my concern. Quentin, who asked that question? Quentin, do you What's have that? who asked that question? Uh, one of them was Rory and it got, and the other one was, I missed the other person. One about, top uh, of my list. If, if we can find the person who asked about what you're else, what you're worried about. I wanted to make sure we got to that at some point. I'd like to give that person the t-shirt if we can figure that out. Let's go around the horn quickly here. Cause I did want to cover it. I don't want to end with it. Cause it's like, Oh, what are you worried about? We think they're going to be good. Mary Kay, is there a position group that you do have some concerns about? Um, not really. There's, okay. there's nothing. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Scott. I guess I'd first go to defensive tackles just because we're not really sure how that's going to shake out. Malik McDowell is exciting, but we don't know really what we're going to get for that group. Dan. I'm staying in the same area as Scott. I think depth on that defensive line is a concern. You're counting very heavily on Malik McDowell, who hasn't played a real football game since 2016. And Jadavian Clowney has to stay healthy. Tack McKinley, there's some real, there's some real upside on those guys, but there's also some real question marks on those guys. Ellis? Yeah, I, I've been on the record as saying that the, the defensive end position is extremely top-heavy. A lot of faith being placed and pressure, quite frankly, on Tack McKinley to be who they expect him to be as a guy who at first was brought in to be number two, and now it will play more of a relieving role. If anything happens to Jadavion, it's going to become apparent that this team didn't spend a mid-round pick on a pass rusher. You look at teams like Buffalo, who spent their first two picks on pass rush, Greg Rousseau, uh, Carlos Basham Jr., and then a first-round pick a year ago, A.J. Epinesa. They, they clearly understand what it's going to take to stop Patrick Mahomes, and it's an all-out effort and a young pass rush. The Browns went the opposite way. Two stars, it makes it top-heavy, and if the depth falls out from under them, things change quickly, and the outlook changes quickly on this for this defense. You know what I looked at? I watched that defensive line practice every single day, every single minute. I stare at them. I enjoy watching those guys. I love watching them go through their drills. And they are big. They are fast. They are scary. They are deep. You can put guys on the outside. You can put them on the inside. You can mix them around. You can put Miles Garrett over a guard. And then you can take JOK and you can just shoot them from anywhere. And so I think they can get pressure from anywhere. That is the least of my concerns is that big, scary defensive line. I think the tackles are going to be good. I think the ends are going to be good. I don't know. I'm just now worried about them all. If, if you follow Mary Kay on Twitter, she, she is correct. Mary Kay has a, a, a defensive end drill video every day on Twitter. She has been watching these guys for real. So I would take what she says there very seriously. Quentin, let's hit a couple more real quick if we can. From 35 yards in, will Stefanski be more likely to go for the fourth down? John K. Scott, that sounds like your territory. Well, I hope he does because he should. Uh, and he did. He went for it on fourth down a lot last year. It was like 22, 24 times. They were in, like, they were in the top 10, 12 of the league. Problem was they didn't really have a good success rate. So if they get better, then, you know, then they're 
they're more with the trends of people going for it more and being more successful. So I would hope he would, uh, because really when you get into that area on the other team's side of the field, you, you really need to be thinking about going for it. Go ahead, uh, what is What is it with the Browns players from LSU? They all seem to be battling injuries. Is this a coincidence or is there a reason? Mary Kay, is there an LSU curse? Is it because LSU won the title a couple of years ago? Now they're all cursed. You know, I, I have thought about that myself. I mean, think about it right now. Jacob Phillips just went on IR. I mean, Odell's coming off an ACL. Grant with the ruptured Achilles. Greedy with the season-ending shoulder injury all last year. I mean, these guys really are having a hard time staying healthy. It, it is absolutely bizarre. I don't know if there's any coincidence or any reason for it whatsoever, but uh, those, those former Tigers really have struggled with their health. And Joe Burrow, quarterback, got it too in Cincinnati. Justin Jefferson seems okay, though. Uh, Quentin, what else you got? Uh, how many of the Browns' cuts will be picked up by other NFL teams? And then the bonus question is, is who's going to take them? If Dan, you want to project. Dan, we've seen at least, I think, two so far, right? Right. Hodge, Hodge and um... – uh, Sheldrick got signed, but I'm thinking of the, oh, there was Col another guy Gossett. too. Colby Gossett. Colby Gossett. So nobody's really gotten picked up yet, but um, you know these rosters are always kind of changing. Did, did Dan? Did you expect? I mean, I that's I I was looking in the chat. If anybody used the phrase hashtag too many good players, I was going to give you a shirt for sure because <laughs> I'm trying to get that thing going. But Dan, when they made cuts, did did it feel like hey there there are some other there's some NFL players that they're having to let go? Did you think some guys might get picked up? It did. Um, at the same time, we're talking about guys like Kaderil Hodge, and we're talking about, I mean, they didn't let any of their significant players go. You know, if they had let Dearness Johnson go, he probably gets picked up. Um, so I think the guys they kept, they kept for a reason. They kept because they knew that maybe they wouldn't make it through waivers. Um, but, you know, there wasn't anyone there that I'm like, oh, people are going to be clamoring to sign this guy. But there, there are good players, good players that they had to let go. But you know, I, I think I, I think we'll see some of those names again, either back here on a practice squad or picked up on another team's practice squad. Quentin, let's do a couple more. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a round the horn question. What is the position that you think is the most underlooked in football coming from Ian Ludwig? In football. So specifically in, in like when you look at the positions, what is the most underlooked position or unsung hero, if you will? Terry, you, you've talked about this a little bit already with the kicker stuff and some of the things you said you always watch defensive backs. Where are you, Terry? What's a really important... Well, I worry about defensive backs, but you the, the thing about if you are, you're a really good team and you miss extra points and you do those things, because uh, you kind of take it for granted that they're going to convert all those points. And I, I like the fact Scott mentioned too, I, I'm for going for it a lot on fourth down and different things because there's so many points scored in the NFL, but that still doesn't diminish the value of a field goal when it matters at the end of a game. So um, I think fans that are more in tune to that than the, the analytics types in that in the front office because, you know, they're always thinking they just go find another kicker off the street. That's what Phil Dawson told me. They always think it, he says they think they could find them everywhere, but they can't find 30 of them or all that good. No, it's one of those things when you think about the Ravens and the Browns sort of fighting it out. We've got to get to yeah, the prediction. Here comes so Justin Tucker. You, you wish the Browns could find their Justin Tucker for the next decade. Yeah. Let's, let's end the questions on this. Ellis, you take that one as well. 
What's a position in the NFL that you think maybe matters more than people realize? Uh, I'll say I'll give you two positions here. And we've talked about it on Gotta Watch the Tape. It's, it's tight end and safety. I think there's a clear uh, market inefficiency at both those spots. One, the Browns exploited this year by signing John Johnson to the contract. They did it big money for a safety, but for the overall value that he's going to add to your defense, uh, uh, an eliminator of, of the deep ball, a, a communicator, getting all the guys, all 10 guys in front of him in the right spots. You, you, you almost can't put a price tag on that. He'll be lined up on Travis Kelsey. Uh, come week one, not Denzel Ward. That, that's a luxury that Joe Woods now has compared to what he had last year. And and then tight end, you know, you see a guy like Kyle Pitts go as early as he did. When you have, you're going to start seeing more athletes, quite frankly, players that could probably exceed on a basketball court, uh, excelling at, at tight end. That's the only thing this offense and Kevin Stefanski is missing is a, a complete difference maker at the position. Of course, the Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle types. I think Kyle Pitts creeps towards that and that position still still is underpaid and and it's where football's trending uh, but I don't think the the mainstream of football minds have, have realized that yet or at least the dollar amounts aren't aren't showing up for them yet maybe gotta add center in, I gotta oh, add right. center in there too people yes. always, yeah. people always forget about the center yep. if, if you don't have a good center forget it think about the first play in Pittsburgh in the wild card game what happened that game was over when that snap sailed over. Now he was a good center for many years, obviously. Uh, but if you don't have a good center, forget it. And that's why the Browns have taken some in, in the first round before. Um, if JC Treader can't play, he should be able to play in Kansas city. Uh, but if he can't play, Hey, look, Nick Harris, that whole first drive went downhill when he got a holding call on the, on the first play in Atlanta, because if your center is overwhelmed, you're not going to play good football. Mary Cam, I'm glad you said that because that was going to be mine if I got asked. Like center and that relationship between the quarterback and the center, he's got to make a lot of calls yep. and you know move on from J.C. Treader at your own risk. Yeah, because he is one of he is one of the underrated centers in the game, and he plays every single snap. He's out there. Don't just pencil in Nick Harris for the the next J.C. Treader. Move on yep. from him. And be very careful if you decide to move on from him. Those are some, those are some good arguments. I did see M Collar in the chat. Let's get a, a shirt to M Collar. And maybe other people said this, but I saw this, the fans. I, I appreciate the fans as a position that you can't overlook. So M Collar, you get a shirt for that. Quentin, thank you for all those great questions. I know we have a hundred more. <laughs> and again, I'm willing to stay till midnight. Ellis said he has a social life. He can't stay until midnight. I just sit in my house and sweat. So I'll stay here if anybody wants to talk to me afterward. Let's move on. We have to get to our predictions and get you guys on the record. Let's get this poll up first about the division. We're going to go out and then we're going to come in on the Browns. But let's look a little big picture. Will the Browns win the division? So we're going to have you guys pick who's going to win the AFC North. And I'd like this conversation at the moment to focus a little bit on the other three teams, because we're going to get to the Browns and we're going to make all you guys pick your records for the Browns. Dan, as you evaluate the division though, how do you think the AFC might shake out this year? Uh, the Browns are going to win the division. That's uh, it's going to be between the Browns and the Ravens. Um, I, I think that they're, I think the Browns are going to win the division. I think they'll sweep the Bengals. I think they're going to sweep the Steelers. Maybe the Steelers surprise us all. I think it's going to go Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. Does that, what is the level of respect for the Ravens, for what they've done? Just 
Is there anybody else who, who thinks the Ravens have a very, very good chance to win the AFC North this year? Or I is do. everybody kind of on the Browns bandwagon? Oh, I no, think the Ravens can, but, but go ahead, Terry. I'm sorry. I do. I think that, uh, I think they're going to be good again. And that doesn't negate by the way uh, they could win. Well, remember the year they were like 14 and two, they could get knocked off early in the playoffs too. But if you're talking about over a 17 game schedule now, uh, uh, the way they are, I mean, they're never bad. They're rarely mediocre. They're always good or great. And that is just such a testimony to them. And so I think that's where, you know, the Browns are starting to go in that direction. But uh, I just think if, you know, if I had to pick the, the division winner, I will pick Baltimore. But that doesn't necessarily mean in the playoffs where different things were, it seems like Jackson has struggled. Um, you know, Baker might be a better quarterback in the playoffs than Jackson. I'm not sure on that. And I, I will defer to some of you guys that watched a lot more tape. But that's been something they talk about in Baltimore. I have some friends still there. It's like, well, how good can he be in the playoffs? It, it does feel like, I mean, this is not news, that that J.K. Dobbins injury feels yes. pretty substantial for the Ravens and, and what I think people expected him to do this year. Mary Kay, wh where are you as on, on the Ravens and in terms of the Ravens and Browns at the top of the division? You know what? I just feel like, like you just mentioned with J.K. Dobbins, it just feels like they've already had uh, a significant amount of adversity. They've got J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know, they ended up missing Lamar for a significant chunk of training camp because he went on the COVID list. Now they just put their first round receiver on uh, on IR, and they put another receiver Bateman, on, yep. on IR. So um, I don't know. It just seems like they've got some things going on. It feels like they're going to be team adversity a little bit this season. And maybe they can overcome it. They did last year. They overcame a lot of adversity last year with COVID and all of that stuff because they're so well coached. It's a good organization. It's a really good organization. And they can kind of pull it together when things start to fall apart. But it just seems like there's a lot of weird stuff going on over there. Uh, so, and, and there's another thing that I keep looking at. And I mentioned this on another one of our podcasts. And that is that little stretch which I think is the pivotal AFC North stretch when they have Cleveland Pitt, at Pittsburgh and then Cleveland. And the Browns have a bye week while the Ravens are going to get into one of the most physical football games of their whole entire season in Pittsburgh. The Browns are going to be at home, chilling out, watch the game on TV, a little ice pack here and there. And, uh, and I just think that that three-game stretch for both teams is going to make or break the AFC North, and I think the Browns have the edge. All right, let's get the poll results on this. I am Again, I'm very curious here. We know this is Browns fans, but you can think the Browns are going to be really good and maybe still think they're not going to win the division. So let's try to get to that 85%. 85%. Okay, there is our Friday Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Now, just so you know, we did have a little bit of an issue with the recording where we lost the, the very end, which is where we all kind of made our season predictions and how far the Browns would go. But the good news is we're going to be rolling those out on the site over the weekend here, cleveland.com slash Browns. And if you want to, go back to the Thursday podcast in Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, go back to that podcast in Mary Case. Scott, Ellis, and I went through our predictions, our reasoning, all of that over about a 40-minute pod. So it'll give you something to listen to here over this long 
weekend. Now, our thanks to everyone who helped us put this event on. Our thanks to all the fans that jumped on and listened. And of course, thanks to all of you out there for subscribing and listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We've got an exciting season of pods ahead. We're back to our normal five-day-a-week schedule. Well, okay, technically four days a week next week because we're going to skip Monday. But we're back to that daily schedule in-season mode starting next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.